Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to Silver Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us this weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend, and we have so much to be thankful for. I want to welcome all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. I'd like to also welcome those of you at our Creekside service, our North Udawa campus, St. Elmo campus, and all of you worshiping online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Wallace, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles and open up in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, Psalm 121. You got a smartphone, you can open your Bible app to Psalm 121 as well. And then you can do this. Take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. We give you these so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. As most of you know, we've been in this series in Psalms for the last two months, and we entitled the series Mixtape, A Song for Every Season, because God really wants to give you a song to sing in whatever season of life you're going through. And so each week, we looked at different seasons of life and how we can come to a place of rest and trust in the Lord God, and that we can actually learn to sing a song even in difficult seasons. And so the song that we're going to learn today to sing is the song for the journey, Because every one of us are on this journey called life, and God wants to give us a song to sing in the journey. Now, because it was the Thanksgiving weekend, it is estimated that there are 50 million Americans that traveled this past week. And probably some of you actually did some traveling this week, and it's really crazy on the roads even right now. I mean, the fact is, is that traveling can be really difficult. Um, I know it was true for our family. We have four children, and so every year during either Thanksgiving or Christmas, we would either go to Texas to visit Susan's family, or we'd go to Florida to visit my family. And, you know, it's a Herculean effort to pack for an entire week, right, in a, a car or a van, and you got, you know, six people, and you're also bringing presents and stuff like that, and then you get on the road. I mean, it's a 12-hour trip, and we drive each other crazy. Now, Growing up, and back then in the day, right, we didn't have iPads for all of our kids. You had to play I Spy or I'm Thinking of an Animal or crazy games like that. And, you know, we got on each other's nerves and you hear it, you know, are we there yet? Or I got to go potty or, you know what, he's touching me or he's in my space, right? I mean, all that craziness going on. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm on the road, I want to get there as fast as I can. I mean, I just imagine road trips like that are like NASCAR in a minivan, right? That's what it is. I'm in NASCAR, and I want to get there as quick as I can. And so we're going we're to take minimum number of stops, right? Only time we stop is to get gas, use the bathroom. We may grab something to eat, okay? And so it's a quick pit stop. That's the way I travel. And, you know, just, you just pray you don't get a ticket, right? And so you're going, you're traveling. 
And so anytime we're about to stop, I give fair warning. I'm like, okay, kids, we're about to stop at the next exit. Everybody get ready. Get ready to file out and get ready. I'm timing you, right? Who's going to get the bathroom there and fast, you know, fastest? And so I'll pull up to the pump and I'd open up the doors and nobody gets out. What's going on? Well, I got my shoes off. Who told you to take your shoes off? I can't find my socks, right? And so I'm looking at them and I look up on the interstate and I see in all the cars I spent hours passing, passing me. And, you know, finally, you just, you had it. You say the stupidest things. You go, never take off your shoes again, right? (laughs) That's the fun of traveling, right? Well, this psalm, Psalm 121, is the traveler's psalm. It's a psalm. It's called a psalm of ascent. And Psalms 120 to 134 are known as psalms of ascent. So what is that? Well, three times a year, the people of God, the nation of Israel, were commanded to go from wherever they were to Jerusalem for a festival, And so you had all these pilgrims that would come to Jerusalem, and they would sing these songs, the songs of ascent. And it was treacherous times. It was difficult. I mean, you you, you were exposed by the elements. Again, most everybody's walking. There's not cars or anything like that back then. And so you're exposed to the elements. You're you're also exposed to possible robbers, because all the robbers know that people are traveling, right? And, And so it's a very volatile time. It's a very fearful time to be traveling, and you feel very vulnerable. And so what do you do? Are you going to cower in fear? Do they cover their mouths with terror? No, they open their mouths with a declaration of praise. And it's the very same thing for you. No matter where you may be walking through, what you may be traveling through, God wants to give you a traveler's song. And it's found in Psalm 121. And so let's study it together. Let's look at it. Beginning verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Did you notice a repeating word? Six times. He'll keep you. He'll keep you. He'll keep you. He'll keep you. God says if you will trust in him in the journey of life, he's going to keep you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord will keep you. Do that right now. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep you. And so in what way will the Lord keep you? Well, there's three things I want you to jot down in your outline that we learn about who God is when we put our hope and trust in him. Number one, first of all, the Lord will be your provider. Jot that down. The Lord is my provider. See, we're all walking down this road called life, and we all face trouble. So who are you going to trust in? Well, the Bible says you've got to trust in the Lord. That's how it starts off. Look at it in verse 1. I lifted my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. And so you look to the hills. Is that where you're going to get your help from? No. The hills, that's where the terrors, that's the unknown. That's where the, um, the robbers could possibly be. In fact, most likely what he's referring to here is it's known as the high places, that many times in the nation of Israel, people would have these false gods, these idols, and they would be on the high places among the hills. He goes, do I look to the hills, these false gods for my help? Absolutely not. In fact, look at how Jeremiah puts this in Jeremiah 3.23. For in vain you look for salvation in the hills. 
I love the way the Living Bible translates these verses. Look at it. Shall I look to the mountain gods for help? No, my help is from Jehovah who made the mountains and the heavens too. You see, our problem so often is that we look to the wrong things for hope and help. We, we, we look to the wrong people thinking, okay, this person will be my help. No, that, that person, can I just tell you, people let you down, don't they? I mean, you look to this hill and say, okay, you know, maybe if, if, if I just had enough money, then I'd find security. If maybe if I just had the right relationship, then I would have real love, right? We're always looking for love and the, the life and the wrong things, but they're all dead ends. You've got to look to the Lord. And so some of you right now, I know you're facing some mountain, some hill, some terror. Maybe you're traveling along. You go, I don't know what's going to be around the turn. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm not sure what to do. Well, this psalm is saying, look, I know there's a hill in front of you, but you got to remember who made that hill. Now, you got to know who governs that hill. You, you need to know who's over that hill. God himself. In fact, notice the very next verse. Verse 2 says this, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Folks, there's nobody else better that your help comes from other than the Lord who made everything, who created everything. Now, we could talk all day about just the wonders of God's creation and how powerful God is. If God created such a wonderful universe, how amazing is he, right? Well, let me just give you one example. Think about our sun. Our sun. Uh, astronomers basically say that our sun is just a, you know, average-sized star, Right? But it doesn't seem very average to us. It's huge, right? The diameter of our sun is 864,000 miles. It emits incredible amount of energy. The internal temperature of the sun is 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. They estimate that it consumes 657 million tons of hydrogen every second. It's like a hydrogen bomb going off constantly. And yet it doesn't run out of energy. Why? They expect that it can last for 50 billion years. Now, a God who's able to create, design, and make the sun, and not just our sun, but 100 billion other stars just like it, if he's that amazing, don't you think he can handle whatever's going on in your life? He can. Look, I know you got problems. I got problems. We all got problems. All God's children got problems. Can I get an amen? We do, yeah, right? We get problems at home, you got problems at work, maybe problems in health, you got problems in our nation, a lot of problems there, problems in government. Goodness gracious, we got problems, right? So where are we going to look to? You can look to the hills of humanistic thinking of our world. You can look to the halls of higher education. You can look to your bank account or Wall Street. Can I just tell you, no, they will all fail you. We will not put our hope in the hills of this world. We're going to put our hope in the one Jesus Christ, the one who created everything. And so the first thing we learn is, okay, God's going to be our provider, but here's the promise. If you will put your hope and trust in him, he's going to provide two things for you. And I want you to jot it down. Number one, first of all, God provides stability. God provides stability. Look at it, verse three. He will not allow your foot to be moved. The word moved means to slip or to stumble. Now think about it. You have all these travelers, they're traveling maybe 100 miles, coming to Jerusalem, they're going through a lot of twists and turns. And when you go to Jerusalem, it's a 2,000-foot climb. And so you, you may slip on your way up that hill, you know, to Jerusalem. And, and what does God say? God says, hey, in your journey, I'm going to stabilize you. doesn't mean that we don't stumble. We're not going to stay falling down. God's going to pick us up. He's going to carry us. He's going to keep us. Listen, I know that this world can give us a roundhouse kick in the face and knock us down. But God says, I'm with you. I'll pick you up, I'll hold you, I'll stabilize you. 
I mean, folks, this world is sinking sand. Christ alone is a solid rock. And God said, trust in me. I'll stabilize you through the craziness of the world that we're living in. But not only stability, God also promises that, you know what, he's going to give you serenity. He's going to give you peace. Man, don't we need peace? Our world is crazy. Our our world is filled with fear. We need peace. Why can we have peace? Look at how God's described, verse 3. He who keeps you will not slumber. The word slumber means literally take like a midday break. I know it's you, come 2 o'clock, I'm like, man, I need some caffeine to stay awake, or I need a siesta or something. God says, hey, I don't, I don't need a coffee break. You know, verse 4 says, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That, that idea there is keep, is that in that day, every city had watchmen's on the wall. And, and in the middle of the night, you'd have watchmen on the wall, and they're looking for danger that's out there. And God says, hey, you know what? I know the watchmen on the wall come two o'clock in the morning. They're just really tired and their eyelids are heavy. God says, I don't sleep. I'm watching over you all the time. Now, I have um, three new granddaughters. And my um, daughter and my two daughter-in-law, they, um, they watch over their new granddaughter. I mean, they're watching, they got the monitors, baby monitors, they're doing all the kind of stuff. They are, they are watching over those new girls, and I'm glad. And as parents, what do we do? We want to watch over our kids, don't we? But can I tell you something? We can't watch over our kids 24 hours a day, can we? But God says, I watch over you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I never sleep, I never slumber, I've got it. You can be at rest, why? Because I'm watching over you. Years ago during World War II, you had the Nazis and they were bombing London. Every night they would bomb London, just devastate, you know, cause the place to, you know, shambles and be on fire. And what would people do is because they were just, they weren't just bombing factories, they were buying residences and neighborhoods and that kind of stuff. So the people, they would go to the subway in order to hide away and be protected from the bombings that were happening every night. And so they would sleep there in the subways. And then in the morning, they would all get up and they'd go out in the streets and they would look around and they'd look at the ruins and they would look for people that were maybe injured or maybe the people that were missing. Well, one particular morning, this one family starts looking for their godly grandmother. They can't find her. I mean, she wasn't in the subway and they knew that, you know, down the road where she lived got bombed out. And so they're looking around some of the rubble there for her and they can't find her. And finally, there was one part of her house that was hit and they found her in another part of her house asleep. And they go, Granny, what are you doing asleep? And she goes, well, I was tired. And they go, but, but, but didn't the bombing keep you up? And this is what she said, quote, she said, well, it says in the Bible, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So I figured there's no need for both of us to stay up all night. And I went to bed. <laughs> I love that. If God's got it, if God's got you, God's watching over you, you're trusting in him. He says, I promise to give you stability. I promise to give you serenity. I'm going to give you peace. God is your provider. Second thing we learn here is you trust in him, God will be your protector. Jot that down. God is your protector. Again, he uses that word keep. Verse five, the Lord is your keeper. Now, a keeper is not, that's not a soccer position, okay? It's not a goalie. No, it's again, it's a guard. God will guard you. God will, you know, watch over you and protect you. 
Now, that, does that mean that, okay, we're not going to have any harm, no, no bad things ever going to come into our life? Of course not. The Bible teaches that, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. So what's he talking about? He's talking about God is going to keep you from the ultimate harm. I, I love the way the Apostle Paul put this. I love this. In Romans chapter 8, he says this, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or death, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, I've got this. I'm going to be your protector. You go, how does he protect? Well, two things in this psalm. Jot this down. First of all, God promises to be our shield. God promises to be our shield. Look at it again. It says in verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. You go, what's that all about? What's the meaning there? Well, in that day, you'd have soldiers. They would hold two things, one on each hand. They'd hold a shield, typically, on their left hand and a sword on their right hand. And so their left side was often protected with a shield, but whenever they're, you know, fighting or whatever, they were vulnerable on their right side. And God says, I've got the right side covered. What does that mean? Wherever you're most vulnerable, God says, I've got you covered there. I'm going to be your shield. You go, well, I really feel vulnerable here. I really feel vulnerable to these attacks. These people are saying these things about me, right? And, you know, the fact is, is look, there's a lot of hate that goes on in our world today. And you know where that comes from? It's the evil one. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren day and night. And he'll come after you through the mouth of somebody else. And you get beat up in this world. And guess what? God says, hey, I got you. I'll be your defense, right? God defends us. He protects us. He is our shield. I love the story of missionary Frederick Nolan. He was a missionary in North Africa. And so he was sharing the Christian faith with, you know, Islamic individuals. And many of them were coming to faith. Of course, it's against the law to convert to Christianity. And so they began to hunt him down. They wanted him dead, these Islamic extremists. And so they happened to find him. He was running from them during the night. They were right behind him. The very next day, he realizes, oh, they're going to catch me today. I mean, it's going to be over. And he finds himself in the desert, and he finds a little cave. It's more like a hole. And he throws himself into that to hide from his pursuers. And he thinks, well, it's just going to be a matter of moments before they find me here. It's obvious I've gone somewhere, right? And so as soon as he went into that cave there was a spider that began to weave a web right there in the door of that little cave. And, and he just was amazed that literally, in a matter of moments, that spider had a complete, you know, web that was there. And so when the pursuers came by, they looked at that hole and go, well, he couldn't have gone in there. There's a complete spider web over that. He would have disturbed that. He would have messed it up. And so they kept on going, and he was able to stay in there for a number of hours and eventually get out of there and hide and escape. He later wrote down these words. I love this. Quote, he said, where God is, a spider web is like a wall. <laughs> where God is not, a wall is like a spider web. See, God promises you trust in me, I'll be your shield. God's not only your shield, but jot this down, God's also our shade. God is our shade. Look at it, verse 6. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. God's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to protect you day or night. I mean, travelers, what do they do? They'd be out in the heat and impossible heat strokes. God said, I'm going to take care of you. In the middle of the night, it's frigid temperatures. God says, I'm going to take care of you. L listen, we go through seasons of life where it's, it's hot in the kitchen. God says, hey, I'm with you in that furnace. 
We, we go through relationships and it gets a little cold and you go, God says, hey, I'm with you. Now, I love this promise in Isaiah 57, 54, 17. It says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. No weapon of Satan, no weapon of man, no weapon of nature. God says, no, trust in me. I, I, I've got you. I mean, it may be get hot, but I control the temperature. Trust me, I'm gonna be with you through life. So God says, if you'll trust in me, I'm gonna be your provider, take care of your needs. I'm gonna be your protector, your shield and your shade. But then there's a third thing that God promises. Jot this down. God also promises to be your preserver. Your preserver, you go, what is that? That means that God promises to keep you going. The way this Psalm ends is just amazing to me. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What is that promise? God says, I'm going to keep you going. You're going to persevere to the end. I'm going to keep you keeping on. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but one of the real tendencies of my flesh is whenever things get really tough is quit, right? Oh, it's tough. I quit, right? That's the natural tendency to quit. I mean, I can remember when I was in high school, I was playing football, and it was summertime, and we were doing two-a-days. We'd practice early in the morning, practice late in the afternoon. And, um, and at night, I'd have these leg cramps in the middle of the night, and I'm just dying in the middle of the night. And I told my dad one morning, I said, man, I'm not, I'm, I think I'm going to quit. And my dad says, no, I don't want you to quit. And I go, why not? And he says, it's not necessarily that I care that you play football or not. It's just you started something, and I want you to finish it. I don't want you to quit because I know, Tony, that if you quit at this, it's going to be easier to quit at the next thing, which will be easier to quit at the next thing. And then eventually, you know, I'll have raised a quitter and I don't want to raise a quitter. Now, that's always been in the back of my mind every time I face a test or temptation to quit. It's like my heavenly father says through the words of my father, keep on going, Tony. Do not quit. And you know what God's promise? God says, I will keep you. I'm going to be the one that will give you the strength you need to keep on going. And so you go, in what way does God preserve us? Well, two things we find in this psalm. Number one, first of all, God preserves me from all evil. He preserves me from evil. Look at it, verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. I mean, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus, whenever he taught us to pray, what did he say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. And then what? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Did you know that God will do that? That if you follow Jesus Christ, you walk with Jesus in the journey of this life, he will keep you from evil. I heard this story about this guy, young guy who, um, co-worker, after work said, hey, why don't we go to the strip club? And he goes, no, tempting, but you know what? I, I don't think I want to go to the strip club. Why not? He goes, because, you know, my best friend wouldn't like it. And he goes, well, so what? He goes, well, if my best friend doesn't want to go, I don't want to go. Well, how do you know your best friend wouldn't want to go? He goes, I just know him. Well, you know, what, what if um, we go ask him? He goes, we don't have, I have to ask him. I know he would not want to go to the strip club. And if my best friend doesn't want to go, I don't want to go. And the guy says, well, who's your best friend? Jesus is my best friend. You see, if you're walking with Jesus, he's not going to lead you into temptation. He's not going to lead you into evil. He's going to keep you from evil. 
But ultimately, the promise here, it says, keep you from all evil. You go, what is that? Does that not mean there's no evil that's going to come into my life? We live in an evil world. I mean, it's like evil chases us down sometimes. How in the world's God going to keep us from all evil? Well, again, what he's talking about is the ultimate danger of evil, eternal evil. In fact, look at how Jesus says this. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus says this. He's making this promise, prediction about Christians. You will be delivered up by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. But not a hair of your head will perish. Now, I read that and go, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) I could die, but not a hair on my head is going to perish? That doesn't make any sense, because I think if I die, doesn't my hair die too, right? That only makes sense. But again, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about, look, they may kill your body, but they can't touch your soul. Jesus said, you know, you, you don't fear people that can kill your body, but they can't do anything to your soul. You fear God who has control over both. Listen to me. Satan can make your life miserable, but his leash is short, but eternity is long. God's got you. He will keep you from the ultimate harm. The, the final thing, the way that God keeps you to persevere is this. God preserves me for all eternity. And I love how this psalm ends. Look again, verse 7. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Those are one of the greatest promises of God of eternal security in the Bible. You know know what I believe that the Bible teaches, not just here, but over and over in the scriptures, is that whenever you come to a genuine place of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, Whenever you say, Jesus, I surrender to you as my Lord, in that moment, the Bible says you're born again. And God, you know, places you in Christ, the Holy Spirit, and you, you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I believe that God keeps you from that point forward. Doesn't mean we don't stumble, doesn't mean we don't fall, but God keeps us going. It's called the perseverance of the saints. Now, there's some Christians that they, you know, think differently. They sort of think that, okay, no, we're not secure until we get to heaven, right? And so they just imagine that this life is just sort of a, a race against the devil and, you know, when he's right on your coattails and, you know, you got to watch out, he's going to drag you into hell. And finally, when you die and you get to heaven, you go, woo, finally, I'm secure. Well, why do you think that you're going to be secure in heaven? I mean, Satan fell from heaven. How do you know you're going to be secure in heaven? I'll tell you how you know, because the very same God that promises to keep you now in this life is the same God that promises to keep you for all eternal life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Folks, that is awesome. Now, I know some of you are like, but I I really feel weak right now. I really feel vulnerable. I really feel like I want to quit. You know, I'm at the end of my rope. I keep hitting these dead ends. It feels like the enemy's winning. And maybe you face disease or disappointment or discouragement. But God says, will you trust in me? I'll keep you going to the very end. Now, how is it that we can keep going to the very end? Because Jesus Christ made it to the end for us. How does this psalm start again? It says, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You see, you do not look to the hills of this world for your hope. No matter what you're going through, that's not going to be where your hope is. You look to the hill called Calvary. You see, Jesus Christ is the ultimate pilgrim. He's the ultimate one who made the ultimate trip. 
That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus stepped out of heaven to walk the dusty roads of Palestine. And what did he do? Jesus also was a pilgrim that made a trip to Jerusalem. And he came to Jerusalem. It was Passover festival. And what did he do? He looked up at Jerusalem and he wept over it. Why? Because the people were putting their hope in religion rather than the Lord. And so he comes in Jerusalem, presents himself as the Messiah. And what do they do? They arrest him. They mock him. They beat him. They say, crucify him. They put wood on his back and make him walk up the ultimate hill. And on that hill called Calvary, Jesus died on the cross, right? But do you remember what happened? Those six hours he hung on the cross? All the evil, all the hatred, all the putrid life, all of our sin and all the sin and evil of Satan in this world was placed on him. The Bible says the place became dark. And then in that moment when Jesus Christ was literally experiencing all that evil in himself, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Christ was forsaken on the cross so that God would never forsake you. And because Jesus Christ has already walked that journey, you can now walk that journey confidently behind the steps of Jesus Christ. Look at how the Bible puts this in Romans 8. He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? God wants to graciously give you what you need. And you may go, but, but, but my friends have abandoned me. God's going to keep you. <laughs> but the, my foes attack. God says, I'm going to keep you. But, but fears assail. God says, I'm going to keep you. Quit looking everywhere else. Look to Calvary. Look to Christ. Look to the Lord. He will keep you. And in those moments that you're traveling through life, you can even sing a song of trust in him because he's our keeper. Amen? Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your love and your life. I thank you for Christ walking this road for us. And I'm so thankful that you promised to walk with us through this road as well. God, you know every person here, you know their struggles, you know their heartache, their pain. And I'm asking in Jesus' name that you meet with each of us, even in this very moment. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.